It is good to be get together this morning in brave space, the brave space that we have carved out of our week. And it is no small act that folks gather in houses of worship and sanctuaries and religious education classrooms for the better part of a morning to spend time in fellowship. Time is our most valuable resource, and we've spent it together. We've also spent it greeting one another with warm embrace, the, the traffic jam at the back of the sanctuary preventing me from getting up here was delightful because everybody was so excited to see each other. And coming back after two years gone, feeling the welcome, I'm sure, really touched your heart and your spirit. We greeted each other, we read together in unison, we sang together, some of you played the heartbeat with me, we breathe together, we stand and we sit, we bow our heads, we open our palms, our bodies are involved in our gathering, in our being together. There is a quotation that I asked to be included on the bulletin, and I must apologize that there is an error. The quotation reads, if you are divided from your body, then you're divided from the body of the world. And that was referenced by Eve Ensler in her book, The Body of the World. But it was written by Philip Shepard, who wrote a book, he's a, a leading internationally recognized author on embodiment. And he, the quote continues, if you're divided from your body, you're also divided from the body of the world, which then appears to be other than you and separate from you, rather than the living continuum to which you belong. I wanted to make that correction because I, I discovered it later than I had submitted it. It was absolutely my mistake for not completing the, the research circle. But that second part of the quotation really enhances it for me because if you believe that you belong as part of the continuum, the body of the world, then you'll also see that others do. So I hope that you'll keep that in mind as we explore together this morning. Language is simultaneously embodied and disembodied. It comes out of our mouths or our hands as we speak or sign or write or type. What we say and how we say it matters so much. We can feel it in our bodies. For example, the difference between saying, I'm sorry and thank you is dramatic. Imagine how a culture of gratitude could transform a culture of blame instead of, I'm so sorry I'm late, saying, thank you for your patience. You can see my body changing. Instead of, I'm sorry I made a mistake, thank you for helping me grow. You might not use your hands, but you can feel that your body changes when you have the same essence with different words. 
It shifts the energy of the conversation from a heavy tone to a lifted tone, which is again a, a word signaling embodiment. And speaking of metaphor, we think in physical metaphors to help us make sense of our experiences. Metaphors like heavy and light help us to recreate energetic sensations in our bodies. Metaphorical language essentially paves the way, with metaphorical stones, of course, the embodied theologies of welcoming. Have you ever felt that a speaker or a guest preacher even has said something that was over your head? We use this idea, this phrase, to express that something feels out of our physical ability to see it. It creates this mental feeling of uncertainty. And yet, when we sing, over my head, I hear music in the air. There must be a God somewhere. We have a sense of not being able to see it, not being sure, but there's a presence and a mystery and a hope. We might say that we're warming up to an idea or a person, indicating we're feeling more comfortable or even affectionate. We understand happy as up and sad as down. We understand power being over and a lack of power being under. We understand that being on the shoulders of greatness to come with a level of strength and support and security, drawing from experiences perhaps being held as a child. We also might abuse metaphor and need gentle guidance on how to return to right relations with one another. When we talk about dark times, do we consider what that communicates to our kin with darker skin. When we talk about standing on the side of love, do we consider different abilities and diverse ways of engaging and showing up on the side of love? When we talk about sisters and brothers, do we consider how that erases our non-binary and our trans siblings? I read on your website that the UU Loudoun congregation identifies as a welcoming congregation, recognized as such by the Unitarian Universalist Association. And this means that your congregation took explicit steps to ensure that it presents itself as a welcoming congregation and it maintains that commitment. Now, from the UUA website, it states that in the 80s and 90s, when the word welcoming became a code word for lesbian, gay, and bisexual people, the UUA launched a welcoming congregation program to help us learn about how to undo homophobia and later transphobia in the hearts and minds, in our congregations, and in our communities. They go on to say, today most UU congregations are recognized welcoming congregations. The spiritual practice of welcome is a very important one to our faith community. I think that lines up with the principles, but there's something about how that paragraph was written 
that feels a little detached. It talks about the hearts and minds. It talks about the congregational bodies, maybe the community bodies. But where is the body in that process of transformation? It sounds a little bit like how we tend to report history with this disembodied essence. To me, it makes it sound like a holy committee of UU angels just decided to create a program and heal us as a people. But it's hard to include all the stories and human encounters and the bodies in a brief summary or an introductory paragraph. So we're tasked with looking deeper to remember what, where the embodiment manifested. You can see signs of it in our history. In 1987, UUs began to put it on the books that the lived experience of folks in the LGBTQ plus communities did not match the covenantal commitments laid out by our principles and values. In 1989, there was a vote at General Assembly that launched the Welcoming Congregation Program to guide our congregational bodies back into right relationship. And then there were updates made in 95 and 99, 2002 and 2015 when they implemented a renewal program upon realizing that embodiment practices are never done. Times change and we become more and more aware of ways that we can be better. We take, we take practice, we practice these embodiment practices in ways that we may not even be acknowledging. Perhaps a gender neutral bathroom is new to you and so your body has to get used to it. Perhaps pronouns, pronoun stickers, pronoun identification, when you haven't done that before, is a little different and your body has to get used to it. Reading and including voices from marginalized communities is a practice and we have to train our bodies to get used to it. There's nothing quite like change to stir up fear and anxiety in the body. This mention of times changing and calls for renewal can bring some fear and anxiety into the room at times. Folks may describe that they feel like they're walking on eggshells or even navigating landmines. There's an overwhelming fear pervading conversations regarding issues of race and gender identity, sexual orientation, religious freedom, age, ability, and other critical aspects of people's identity. We're just terrified of being bad or wrong. My colleague, Reverend Rob Keithen, the Minister of Social Justice at All Souls Church in DC, has referenced a really helpful metaphorical model that reframes how we give and receive gentle guidance back toward right relations. This model is Jay Smooth's dental hygiene model. To paraphrase Smooth, we have to stop thinking about prejudice the way we think about our tonsils. We get them removed and that's it. We don't have to worry about them again. As if one training would undo racism, 
and then we're done, and you're no longer capable of racism. Maybe even one powerful sermon can absolve us all of our disease. But Smooth suggests that fighting racism and other forms of oppression is like how we approach brushing our teeth. We don't have clean teeth because we went to the dentist one time or because we brushed this morning or three days ago. We maintain clean teeth by committing to brush every day or maybe even multiple times a day. And then when someone says, hey, you got a little something in your teeth, we don't say, no, I don't have, I'm a good, I'm a good person. <laughs> we say, oh my goodness, thank you for telling me. I have something I need to look into on my own. I'm going to take it out of my teeth. I'm not going to ask you to take it out of my teeth or to even help me take it out of my teeth. <laughs> I might come back later and say, is it gone? And then we can have a conversation about it, but I'm not asking you to take it out of my teeth. These embodiment metaphors make us laugh because I think they're relatable. We can feel them in a way. It removes us from that space with the eggshells and the landmines and places us into a communal space, similar to a gender-neutral bathroom where we can all check our teeth and take care of our business side by side. We feel that relationship in our bodies. We feel comfort and discomfort, safety and fear, assurance and threats. And we can communicate those things too. When I graduated from seminary, a friend and colleague gave me this beautiful basket as a gift. And she said she hoped it would serve as a symbol to remind me that as a minister, I too am like a vessel, a container, a carefully crafted basket tasked with the art of gentle holding. And it's woven with 12 colors of coated wire, I think I counted. And I look closely at the patterns and the connections and that bring this basket together. I really resonate with the spiral at the bottom because I tend to describe my, my life story in a spiral pattern instead of a line. It's certainly not straight. And I recently learned even the basics of basket making is that each strand from the very beginning of the creation depends directly on leaning against the other, on the tension, on the relationship. So a basket is a symbol of relationship as much as it is a symbol of holding. And you'll notice when I set it down, the bottom is slightly rounded by nature and it tips and rolls when there's nothing inside of it. And it was in a box when she gave it to me, so I'm not even sure if she noticed that it was rounded at the bottom, or if it mattered. It's not defective, it's just how it is. And when I add something with weight to the bottom, it doesn't balance out immediately. But with every addition, it adds an element 
of weight and balance that make sure all these things are securely held. The balancing act of this, this basket is perhaps the unintended symbolism that came with her gift. It reminds me of the constant process of balancing and rebalancing ourselves the art of holding ourselves together and holding others. We are like baskets, not just ministers, all of us, made up of many elements to create the whole. And even still, there's a larger whole outside of our wholeness that we are a part of, like a body of baskets. And the patterns that are woven by our lives, are made up by a diversity of elements with varying degrees of connection. Some of the links are tight, where others are secure, yet they have gaps. We're meant to hold things, yet we also have limited capacity. We can't do it all. Sometimes finding our balance requires some heaviness. Like this multicolored basket, we are each built and fortified by the diversity that is the body of the world. We are individual and we are one, part of a continuum. And as wobbly, imperfect beings, imperfect in our minds, our spirits, and in our bodies, we much, must approach each other with loving kindness and attention. Assuming positive intent when we're corrected, perhaps setting our privilege aside and being willing to take time to glance in the mirror, check our teeth over and over again. Your commitment to being welcoming will show up in your body. So pay attention because someone else is receiving that, processing your message. So make sure.